Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. My name is Isaac. I'm one of the hosts of In Doubt, and I'm also pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Mission, British Columbia, Canada. On the show with us today is executive mentor, author, and speaker, and as I was just talking to him, father, grandfather, Dr. Carson Pugh. So thanks so much for being here with us, Carson. That's great, Isaac. I'm really happy to be with you. Uh, now, you you did tell me that you wanted me to call you Reverend Dr. Carson Pugh. That's what you said. That's correct, right? <laughs> Not quite. Actually, yeah, or His Holiness, that would work too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good. I I like that. That's awesome. Um, Carson, for those that maybe don't know who you are, could you just give us a snapshot of your life? Um, Help us understand who you are, where you've come from, how Jesus plays a role in that, uh, where you're at now, just sort of that whole package. Well, I come from a family that uh, originally immigrated from Ireland to Canada, and my Irish roots go pretty deep um, because of that, and through and throughout my even my children. So uh, I I grew up uh, in our family immigrated to Brandon, Manitoba, and for some of your listeners, you might have to go to a map or Google it to find out where that is, but. Uh, but it's in southern Manitoba, uh, 100 kilometers from the U.S. border. And small. When I was growing up there, the population was about 32,000 people. And so, so I grew up there. Um, after high school, uh, really felt called to go into uh, business. And so I, I actually did to follow that pathway, uh, became a businessman, uh, actually uh, was pretty good at it, um, but while I, I while I was uh, there, I was married now, and I was a follower of Jesus. And so, not only do I want to have a career that I'm doing, but I also want to follow doing what Jesus wants me to do. And my wife and I got very involved in youth work and uh, started a, a significant youth ministry in a town of thirty two thousand people. Um, there. And I found that my, you know, I would look forward to the weekend because that was going to be youth group time. And and my father once uh, took me out for coffee and he said, you know, Carson, you're a successful businessman, but you get more excited out of leading the youth group on Friday night than you do your whole week at work. And he challenged me and he just said, I wonder if you're in the wrong profession. And that was quite unnerving for me. And I think the Holy Spirit used that to kind of go, yeah, he's speaking truth to you. You know, listen, listen to him. So I ended up, um, uh, my brother and I were partners together in the business. We sold the business and I decided to retool myself uh, for uh, Christian ministry. I had a few uh, variants that happened there where I, kind of tried to go back into business again, but God kept drawing me back into serving him. And one of the problems I had, Isaac, was that when I felt that that God was calling me into Christian service, the only model I had uh, 
was that of a local pastor. And forgive me all those who know me, but I I hadn't met a local pastor that I wanted to model my life after. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I began a search for what it was. And I ended up actually training, become a pastor. I pastored in um, churches in Calgary and here in Vancouver and kind of loved that in one sense. But um, but I realized that I had other gifts that weren't being expressed in that in that arena. When I was uh, pastoring at First Baptist Church Vancouver, we had this one summer where uh, Dr. Leighton Ford came. He was on sabbatical, and he was in Vancouver for six weeks. And now Leighton Ford, to your listeners, is the uh, brother-in-law to Billy Graham. And Leighton Ford was the vice president of the Billy Graham Association. He was doing crusades across Canada and Britain and Australia, kind of the Commonwealth uh, stream. And so Leighton is at our church. And um, after he had been there for a little while, he wrote me a letter that was just like this, that God had given him sort of x-ray eyes to look into Carson. And he pointed out, he, he affirmed my giftedness in some areas, but he pointed out some things. And he says, unless you get some help with these, you're going to reach a ceiling in terms of how God can use you. And he offered to mentor me. And I honestly, I don't think I'd really heard the term used then. This is going back a long time. And it was, um, so I, I entered into a mentoring relationship with Leighton Ford. And it, you know, it continues to this day. He and our good friends, we talk every week or every other week. He's going, he's soon to be 90 years of age. And, uh, and he has invested himself in the development of younger leaders. And I, I kind of joke with him now because everybody's a younger leader. He can, <laughs> <laughs> he can talk to anybody. So, so he inspired me in, in this area of the love of mentoring. And I have focused the last you know, 25 years of my life uh, to mentoring others. And that's what I do. So I spend my whole day is spent now, my whole week is spent um, doing executive mentoring with Christian leaders in the business world, uh, in Christian ministry. I do some church pastors, um, and I'm helping them to grow, to become more Christ-like as a leader and to do it. And I love it. It's energizing for me. That's so good. Thank you for sharing that. That's so great. And quadrant leadership is sort of the, the, the business. So tell us a little bit about that, how that works. Yeah, Quadrant is the business platform that I created that I can do this kind of work from. And I do my speaking, my writing, uh, and my executive coaching and mentoring from Quadrant. It was a business, um, you know, part of my personal story is that my wife, Brenda, of just shy of 40 years, uh, was diagnosed with uh, cancer and uh, died just over five and a half years ago. And when Brenda was diagnosed, I was pastoring again. This is my second term, sort of going back to First Baptist Vancouver. And they had originally just given her 150 days to live. And um, when she, she lived 588 days, so that was, that was amazing. Um, and she said, to, when the doctor told her that, that she only had a maximum of 150 days to live, that no one with her type of cancer had lived longer than 150 days. Brenda looked at her and said, 
you don't number my days. <laughs> so <laughs> Praise God. Anyways, so um, I stepped down from my role, and I, sadly, because I loved my role at the church, but I, I told the church that I had made a commitment prior to my commitment to come there, and that was to love my wife in sickness and in health, and I, I needed to do that now. So, so I stayed with Brenda, and um, we lived those 588 days. Well, 150 days comes, and then my son John, uh, through this barbecue, we had a celebration party because uh, my mom had passed the absolute most. She was, and she was doing quite well then. And then, um, and then it went on. And, and when, when we got to a year, uh, Brenda said to me, you know, we're going to need some revenue coming in. Like <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't been working for a year. And um, so together, uh, she and I formed Quadrant Leadership to create a platform. And that's the story. And it's quadrant is uh, I'm a sailor and quadrant is an old navigational tool used by ancient mariners where they would point one part of it at the North star or the Southern cross if they're in the Southern hemisphere. And then they would take a measurement and then they would sail for another half hour or an hour. Then they would take another measurement and you do this in a series of things. And it would finally indicate your latitude that you were at. Um, and so I use that as an image to, in working with leaders to say, we're going to keep focused on Jesus and we're going to take sort of measurements of you of how you're coming along so that you finally know your identity and your location of where you are. So that's, that's thanks so for good. asking. Yeah, no, I think that, that, I think that's great. Um, so you mentioned mentorship, right? Leighton Ford, you mentioned mentorship. So I want to, we're going to dig into that with a short time that we have, which means we can't dig too deep because we only have so much time, but the word mentorship, lots of our listeners might know it, they've heard of it, but just help us understand mentorship sort of at a basic level. Yeah, well, you know what? It's actually confusing for people. And, and for, for young adults, I think they've heard mentorship at school and everything, and it gets exemplified in different ways. But when I think of mentorship as a Christian, I think about it as holistic discipleship. I think of it as uh, somebody coming alongside and walking with you in life to help you with all of your life, with every aspect of your life, and to do that through being there in the good, the bad, uh, etc. You know, I come from this Irish family, and there's a an Irish phrase or a Gaelic word called anamkara, and anamkara means soul friend. And so this word was brought to North America about, I think, 15 years ago. A book was written about it and everything. But when I read the book, I was kind of going, yeah, you didn't quite get it right. Because in Ireland, an anamkara is, it is a soul friend. And we, I think we all resonate with that. But in Ireland, picture, picture a soul friend who's got his arm around you. And when you blow it, that soul friend is going to kick you in the rear end so hard that it'll hurt. You know? so, so it's somebody who loves you and cares for you, but is also not shy from you know, calling you back in if right. you, you kind of go astray. 
Right, right. No, that's that that's great. That's so good. I'm wondering what what are some key themes that you focus on when you think about mentoring. I know you've already talked about the fact that eyes on Jesus, um, but what are some other things that like kind of build into mentorship like that? Yeah, sure. I have a book. I'm not shamelessly promoting it right now, but <laughs> I'm the, I'll I, do that. I wrote a I wrote a book called Mentoring Leaders, and in it. I have a structure, it's actually kind of a quadrant, (laughs) but it's a structure for how I see the mentoring process flowing. And it begins with you're helping the person come to a real clear identity of who they are, and particularly who they are as a child of God. So receiving your identity as being a child of God and, and your gifts and skills and et cetera. The second phase is to help them with asking, is there anything you need to be released from, that you need freedom from? Because we have things in our past and everything that we, a a good mentor can just help you get over that and uh, leave it behind and allow Christ to heal that and to move on. The third phase is that of visioneering. This is when you start to dream about what might God be calling you to? he does have a call on your life. And so helping them to do that. And before I leave that, Isaac, I want to say that one of the mistakes that is made by people who are trying to mentor, especially young adults, is they want to jump to the visioneering part without doing the hard work on identity and releasing. And if you do that, you can actually, it's almost harmful to a young adult because you you start to build these dreams and visions with them, but they don't have the character to get them there. So I always start on the inside. Um, the, the next phase is that of, of executing. Like, so you have a vision. How do you actually actualize it? And what are some steps that you need to take to, to do that? And then the final, the final phase, if you're with somebody this long, is the phase of sustaining now you're doing what God called you to do with laser-like focus. How do you sustain yourself in continuing to do that? So those are the areas. I use that as my guide to kind of walk us through. And then there's a whole bunch of, you know, aspects that come sure. up in the context oh, of that. I'm sure. Carson, doing doing mentorship in, in North America or teaching mentorship, we are in a cold climate culture. We're very independent people. We like our space and you know, compared to a southern climate, a hot climate that is very much hospitable, communally oriented, have you found that mentorship is sometimes hard for for people in North America because it's it's people like to be private, or I don't know, maybe it's an escape for them to actually enjoy some more community. I don't know. Can you speak into that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're bringing up a good point. I, I wouldn't have um, I wouldn't have thought of the climate uh, part and. Uh, but I think there's a couple of things impacting mentoring today. One is uh, a cultural shift where everybody thinks that, you know, that, that I'm, I'm an individual, I can think whatever I want, I can do whatever I want, and therefore, why do I need help with, with anything? However, there, so that's, I don't think that's a whole lot of people think like that, but the really sharp young leaders that I'm encountering that are Gen Z leaders, like the ones I 
lived with out on Keats Island at Barnabas. Um, we called them Barnabas stewards. They were stewarding their life. And these are sharp people that I've got a great hope for for the future. Uh, and they they wanted mentorship. That's why they came there. They wanted they wanted another adult who's just further down the road to help guide them on their on their path. And so I think that there's still a hunger among young adults for it, but there's the confusion of how mentorship is defined and everything. I think it's just confusing. Yeah, yeah. Um, talk, talk to us a little bit about this this eight month time with these Gen Zers and what you learned from them and what you learned about mentoring. Oh, I I learned more from them than I think that they gained from me. Um, <laughs> I love that generation actually, and I don't think I would have said that earlier. Um, <laughs> but you know, some of the things that I I learned, one of them that's kind of sad, the level of biblical illiteracy shocked me. So this shows my age, I'm 65. And, and I'm kind of going back and I'm going, boy, when I was their age, I actually knew my Bible quite well. And these are people coming from Christian homes. So, so I struggled with that. And we ended up actually having to change the curriculum flow of the mentoring time to include much more Bible study, New Testament survey, survey of the Gospels, that kind of uh, stuff too, because that's truth that will never leave people. And also equipping them to know how to use the Bible to get help. My colleague uh, Gretchen England uh, spent a lot of time with these stewards helping them figure out how do you use the Bible? You know, it's because we can, we can pick it up. Even listeners can go, you can pick up a Bible, but like, what, how do I, how do I use it to help me in my day-to-day life? So, so we did a lot of that. We also, um, I learned a lot about how we need to help them to have a time of personal devotion uh, of just pausing and learning to listen to God and learning to watch for him in every aspect of, of their lives. And so that this is like a whole other program. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, Speaking of that kind of more, that biblical side, like when you think about mentorship, how does the gospel play a role in mentorship? How does it sort of um, make it not just a secular thing, but make it really biblical and, and dis- like, because you say it's like holistic discipleship. So how does mentorship and, and gospel work together? Well, we, we use the gospel, um, the gospels, to look at Jesus and how he interacted with his disciples. What was Jesus doing? He was mentoring them all the time. And so we would look at uh, what we did. And one of the uh, stewards, uh, Sam Moffat, he's from Alberta, he and I are working on a project where we've gone through the scriptures and we've looked at every single time that Jesus brought his disciples together or was speaking to them one-on-one. And we're trying to um, identify what was it that Jesus was doing in each of those things. And I think, I think there's another book coming out on that, but, um, but I think it's, it's really positive. And the other thing I would say about the gospels is that, it's really important in our mentoring of Christians or mentoring as a Christian for me to help young adults understand the grace of God and that 
The work that Jesus did on the cross forgave us of our sins. And he's done that already. And we need to stop trying to work. It's kind of trying to work out uh, getting rid of our, our ongoing sinfulness by, you know, if, I'll, if I get up at four in the morning and do my devotions, then, then certainly I'll be closer to God through that. And so I wanted uh, the stewards to know, uh, and, and anybody that I mentor, that there's nothing that you have done or ever will do that would cause God to love you any less than he does right now. So um, you don't have to keep trying for God's love. Uh, and that's a really critical thing, because if we can get that, it changes how you live. Yeah, that's so good. And I'm just thinking, too, that, you know, perhaps a, a non-Christian leader in, in the business world maybe has another has a mentor. And I mean, I'm sure there's lots of good things that they can tell them. But one thing is just keep going, strive harder, strive harder. Whereas the kind of the difference, the upside down approach here is that we can rest in, in Jesus's work and strive from the rest already, which would be so freeing, so freeing. Yes, yes, for sure. You've said that really well. Oh, that's good. Um, at this point, then, as we finish, what would be a few things you could say about our next step um, to actually finding a mentor and being mentored and growing, growing in that way? Yeah. Oh, sure. I can give you some, I think, very helpful tips on that. First of all, there's a lot of a lot of baby boomers. I'm a baby boomer. A lot of baby boomers are getting approached by young adults, and often the leading question is. I'm wondering if you would mentor me. So I want to say wrong question. Don't start there because baby boomers, like 90% of them have not been mentored. So they actually don't know what you're talking about. And it's not been brought up at school with them or anything. So, so I, um, I would encourage you that if you'd like to have a mentor to, first of all, be very prayerful about why you want a mentor. Get it clear in your head of where you could use some help. Then look around in your immediate community, the, your, your sphere of influence. For a person that is, uh, if you're a young adult, I would recommend somebody that's 15 years or older than you are. Uh, and that comes out of just experience. I think that they're far enough down the road that they're not going to be trying to pretend they're you. <laughs> um, and... And they've got more, they just have a bit more experience, but they're not so far down the road that they can't relate to you. So you go to them and you say, hey, would you ever consider just having a coffee with me? And almost all of them will say, yeah, I'd love to do that. And then it's while you're having coffee, they're probably going to be the ones to say, what motivated you to ask for coffee? No. And then you... And then you get to say, well, you know what, I'm really, um, I'm really wondering about my future and wondering about um, where, what I should do with my career, etc. And then at the end of that coffee, you go, would, would you consider having another coffee with me? Yeah. And, and what you've done is you've actually started mentoring, yeah. but you haven't scared <laughs> them yet. And then later on, you can um, tell them. So that, that's my key kind of go-to in terms of how do you actually get a mentor. But uh, but on the other side, I tell baby boomers, if, 
if a young adult comes to you and says, I'd like you to be my mentor, ask them why. And most young adults can't tell you. And, and I feel like if you can't tell a person why, then you're not quite ready yet. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's so, that's so good. And maybe it's the last question, cause I think you hit something there. Um, that question of why, how can you coach young people to, to answer that question for themselves? Ah, uh, <laughs> this is so good. Yeah. Okay, I wish good. we had like three hours. But, I know. Um, it, this takes reflection. And what do we have very little of in the lives of young adults these days is reflective time. So I would say you need to, when, if I challenge you to say, Isaac, I want you to tell me why you want to mentor. Um, I hope that it sends you away to sit on a mountain ledge or to sit by the ocean or to get away and to actually come before God and to open yourself up to where you would like to grow in your life. And also don't overcomplicate it and don't overthink it because uh, you can deal with one thing at a time. So I would like to grow in this area. And then, and then we go through asking somebody out for coffee. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And then the organic uh, mentorship happens and they don't even know they're mentoring. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. <laughs> that, that's the way to do it. I love it. And then you drop it on them. And then yeah. you drop it on them and say, ha ah, you're my mentor. <laughs> yeah. For the last year. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Carson. Um, where can, where can listeners, if they want to hear more about Quadrant or some, you mentioned your mentoring leaders book, uh, where can they learn more about you? Uh, if you just Google my name, um, okay. <laughs> there's a bunch of um, different things, and there's some places where I've been talking about mentoring more on YouTube, um, and my books will come up on there. So, yeah, I would just invite you, and and Quadrant Leadership uh, is, you can Google that too, and yeah, I'd love to hear from uh, anybody if you've got more questions. So. Oh, that's great, Carson. Yeah, and I'll just for our listeners, I'll put all the uh, uh, the links to various places where you can find his books and website and everything on on our episode podcast page. Anyways, that's great, Carson. Thank you again. We'd love to have you back on the show again soon. Love to do it, Isaac. Okay, great talking with you. That was speaker, author, and executive mentor at Quadrant Leadership, Dr. Carson Pugh. Now, although there are certainly differences, I couldn't help but see the basic connection that Christian mentoring is discipling, in a sense. You know, when you are engaged in Christian mentoring, you are engaged in discipling. And this helps focus the purpose of Christian mentoring. It's not merely about growing to be a better person or leading better. Rather, it's about learning how to best glorify God through your unique life. You know, it will obviously include practices and behaviors that help one, you know, live better and lead well. But the point of it all is focused and centered on Jesus and seeing him praised through one's life and work. Well, we hope you join us next week for another episode where we talk about life and faith with a biblical perspective. We'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hey, this is Isaac, one of the hosts of In Doubt, a ministry of Good News Global Media. Is it possible that being a Christian young person could be any more complicated than it is today? 
How do we make right choices and decisions when so many opinions around us seem contrary to what it means to live for Christ? At Indoubt, we hope to help make sense, biblical sense, of those difficult choices, decisions, and the complexity of faith, life, and culture in 2021. So join us every week for another challenging conversation in our response as God's people. For everything in doubt, visit indoubt.com. And if you'd like to help us continue to offer this program, you can make a gift of any amount at indoubt.com or by calling 1-844-663-2424.